Imagine if you had cameras on you 24-7. At your job, at your games or practices, at your home, anywhere you go, they follow you. What would the viewers see? What would you see about yourself that you may have not known? Well, for head basketball coach John Mosley of East Los Angeles College, this is exactly what happened to him when the Netflix show Last Chance You invited him and his players at East LA to star in the first two seasons of Last Chance You basketball. This is one of my favorite, favorite docuseries on Netflix and just in general. It's so amazing, so well done. And for East LA, it was the perfect opportunity to get in the spotlight and get their players the recognition they deserved and also get their head coach, John Mosley, recognition he deserves. It's dramatic, it's inspiring, and it also reveals the grittiness that JUCO basketball in life is. It shows the good moments, the hard moments, and the scary moments for a coach and his players that come from Different upbringings, most of them living a very hard life or making mistakes before getting to East LA. But Coach Mosley uses this time with them to not only coach them in basketball, but coach them in life as young men. That's why I really wanted to have Coach Mosley on because obviously he is a phenomenal basketball coach and he has done great things at East LA, but he's also a believer in Jesus Christ. Coach Mosley, throughout this conversation today, gives us a behind-the-scenes look into his coaching career, his philosophies, more about Last Chance U, and most importantly, his faith in Christ. He attributes his wins, where he's at, and all the success that he's had to Christ, and that is apparent throughout our talk today. I hope you enjoy. How are we doing, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Competing for Christ podcast. I'm your host, Ken Burke, and today we get to talk to Coach John Mosley. Coach, I'm honored to have you on today. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, man. Uh, just finishing up summer school classes and getting my uh, kids ready to go to, to you know finish up their high school. So we, I'm just in the middle of it, man. I'm just, just things are normal. Yeah. Things are moving and rocking and rolling normally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know you just mentioned uh, the semester is about to, about to start back up for you in the fall. Uh, and yeah, I'm sure it's going to get really busy with practices and, and games starting. But coach, uh, again, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, I would love to talk about basketball and last chance you. I know you talk about that constantly. But the first thing I wanted to discuss is your faith and your faith in Jesus Christ. How has Christ affected your life and your career in sports? Well, you know, being a believer, man, we recognize that that we are, you know, we're wretched sinners. You know, I'm a sinner, man. I'm, so, I'm someone who needs salvation. I need someone to save me from uh, the, this pit of sin that I, you know, that I spiral, I snowball into. Uh, because, you know, naturally I'm selfish. Naturally, I want to please myself. Naturally, I'm, I'm greedy. Naturally, all those things come up. And so... To come out of that lifestyle, man, you need help, and and fortunately, um, I was, you know, had the I was had the relationship with Christ, man, and uh, you know, He saw fit to to choose me to say, hey, I want to bring you into the body of Christ, and so I'm forever grateful uh, that I have this peace, you know, I have this this uh, I can go to sleep every night and realize that you know my 
sins are forgiven, all those things I've done in the past or any guilt is is gone and, and it's because of my relationship in Christ. So I think that's what we struggle with now. There's there's a lot of self-fulfillment and we just try to mask it with more self-fulfillment, more self-fulfillment. And ultimately we need to be forgiven and we don't really forgive ourselves. So we just try to get more self-fulfillment and, and try to cover it up. But um, we all, uh, we all have sinned and fallen short. And I'm, I'm grateful, man, that I know I'm, I'm grateful that I'm on that side. And hopefully I can share that and continue to plant seeds to get people to, to uh, understand that, that they need, they need God. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's so important, especially for kids and athletes today that, you know, they have so much coming at them constantly, especially in college. How have you been able to reach those athletes through basketball in order to, you know, maybe save them uh, through Christ? Well, you know, again, when you talk about human nature, like sometimes you just want to give up on them and you want to just you know what? I don't want to deal with that. Human nature is I want to go home with my family. I don't have time to deal with that. But ultimately, just having that empathy and that compassion that Christ had for me, um, you know, I can't ever forget it for some reason. I try to, you know, sometimes I try to say, you know what, man, forget that dude. You know, forget mm. this. Forget this job. Forget all of that. I'm going to just do the necessary and then I'm going to move on. But there's a compassion that comes up. And I think when you have this relationship and you, you've you been granted that, you know, that grace has been uh, bestowed upon you. When you have that grace, when you realize that you was wretched, you was in the, the gutter and you was pulled out of the gutter and you have this peace, you have this joy and you have this understanding of how to make it through life with this happiness and fulfillment. Uh, then you want to share that with others. And that's where I think the compassion comes in. There's just a compassion for others and it's not tooting a horn it's just it's just something that's planted when you you really look at others as as you try to look at others as christ looked at me and uh i gotta remember that and sometimes i have to tell myself that sometimes it's not just a feeling it's not a conviction i have to say okay john uh christ did better for me so i'm gonna have to do better for others or at least try yeah i'm sure that's it can be difficult sometimes. I mean, these, you know, the, the students that you that you coach, the student athletes that you coach, I mean, they come from some bad, hard backgrounds, as you see in Last Chance U, of course. And how how is it, you know, having all of these different scenarios, different people coming at you? How how do you balance that? I I can't I can't imagine all these different personalities that come at you. Well, ultimately, we some of us we we all have a little bit of that in us. Like, I may yeah. not be that selfish but i see some selfishness in that young man that i've you know uh displayed at some point um i see myself in and all of them and i think you know some of the mistakes that they've made i've made them as well i just didn't fall that far off you know i work with some incarcerated students that are in my class and i remember going to um even some in, uh some of the prisons and doing some prison ministry and you look around and when you physically look at them and when you hear them speak, I'm the same person. I just didn't get caught in some ways or, you know, I'm the same way. I, I just didn't spiral. I just maybe didn't get punished for it or maybe I didn't get caught lying. Maybe I didn't get caught in some of the things that they've done and it didn't affect me as much in terms of uh, taking my life down this this, this path. But I'm the same person. I'm just like anybody else. And I think um, when we talk about Christianity, when we talk about faith, 
um, I think it's important to get those who aren't of the faith to realize that, man, I'm, I was just there. But, you know, we, we're so self-righteous, man. And I'll, I'll say I sometimes some self-righteous and because I'm feeling good. I've been saved for a good while. And, man, look at these people, man. Look how they live in their lives. And that's us right now, right? Yeah. We're pointing yeah. our fingers. We're watching uh, car, uh, television shows. We're watching the news. We're watching. Look at these people, man. Look at this sin that's in the world. But are we really going out and we're trying to reach and, and we're trying to evangelize the world? Or are we just sitting back watching the news, watching all the laws pass and watching all these and just, you know, looking through social media and saying, look at this. This is bad. You know, why don't we go evangelize that? And so um, I think that that's uh, something that that it's not convicting. But I just thinking about going to evangelize no matter who it is, man, I see a little bit of myself in them in all of these, uh, young men. So I, 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 uh, that's just a conviction that I have. I don't know if everybody has it or whatever, but that's just something with me. And that doesn't make me, I'm not great. I'm not perfect. I just, you know, I, I just try to draw back from being self-righteous because I can get there. Uh, sometimes we can all get there. We feeling good. We just came off our worship and our study and we just know everything about the Lord, right? We just know how to live this life. We know how to walk. We know how to get to heaven. But you know what? There's somebody when I'm driving down the street that's sitting on the curb and uh, they don't they may not know, uh, but their heart may be more sincere. Their heart may be more right than mine. Mm. And maybe I just need to plant a seed. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're spot on. I think we all have that conviction when you truly follow Jesus and you truly have that faith. Uh, you can you can end up like a Pharisee sometimes, and, and you know you're pointing fingers, you're saying, "Oh, I'm so much better than them." But in the end, we're all sinners, like you just said, uh, and we all fall short of the glory of God. Coach, I read somewhere that you went on a mission trip when you went to the Masters University in Brazil. Uh, you went to the mission trip in Brazil that changed your life. How did God use that mission trip to not not only shift your perspective but change the trajectory of your life? Well, you know, this is how God works. Well, first off, I'm not, you know, I, my intention wasn't to go do missionary work. You know, I was like, maybe I can go over there. I'll fundraise. I'm over there. And because the deal is the basketball team, you play against these, you play these exhibition games against these pros, right? And then you, you share the gospel uh, at halftime or you go over there and do, you, you do clinics and you do little camps over there and you just go around the cities and, and you do that, right? So I'm like, shoot, uh, I think someone mentioned like, hey, man, you might be able to get picked up by a pro team. So, you know, uh, I can share. That's my intentions now because God had his he had a totally different plan. But my intentions was like, yeah, I'll go minister. Let's go share the gospel. And, um, you know, I'm going to play in front of one of these pro teams and I'm going to get picked up, you know. Uh, and, and it was displayed that way. Like, hey, John, if you come, you might get picked up. I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm going to do it then. But initially, that was my push to raise money and do all that. Because I'm thinking, like, I'm going to go over there and make a team. Um, but ultimately, you, you know, when you're at the – so I'm at, as I, the Masters, uh, you know, at the time, Masters College, Masters University, uh, very strong, uh, phenomenal campus in, in regards to Scripture, in regards to uh, faith. And, you know, that's why I've grown a lot. But I remember before you go on a missions trip, there was this class that you had to take. So I'm taking this class as missions prep or something like that, right? You take the class. It was like an elective. You take it before you go on a missions trip. And I'm sitting there and they're going through steps of how you share the gospel. And I'm like, bro, I can't do this. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, dude, this is hard. Look at how, you know, and then you could do 
share the gospel through illustration and you can draw charts and you can draw pictures because they can't speak the language. Then you can uh, illustrate through, uh, you know, maybe simulate plays or something like that. Then it's how you the steps in presenting the gospel. First, you want to uh, let them know that, you know, that we're sinners and then God has grace and all these little steps. And I'm sitting there like, man, I can't remember that. Let me jot that down and all that. So I'm like, dude, I can't do that. And I'm looking, um, seeing those in the class and maybe who've been around it a little bit more, who've, who've kind of had um, maybe some, some, some schooling or just kind of maybe been around that level of structure of faith. Um, for me, I just grew up in a small storefront church. So we just going in there, we, we praise and we shout and we, we, you know, doing the word. And maybe there's some lessons you learn from that bigger churches. There's more structure when you go in those. So or more conservative churches, more, um, I wouldn't say we didn't have Bible teaching at my church, but there's, you know, more attention to lessons in Bible teaching and, and, uh, and formats to sharing the gospel. Well, I'm over there, so I'm intimidated and we're all over there and I'm maybe one or two of blacks that's over there with the missions group and come from the hood. I'm like, I'm like the only one that's come from a rough background, but everybody else is kind of like, you know, I didn't know God, but I prayed and I received God and now I feel great and my life is great. And I'm sitting up here like, these people aren't listening to you, you know, um, at least what I was looking, you know, I don't know what God is doing, but I'm looking and you have your, your time where you share your faith. So like, it wasn't my day. I had like a, we stayed like two and a half weeks and I had like a week before it was my time to share my faith. And to share my testimony and 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 do my thing, and so I'm listening, and then all of a sudden I go up there, and it's my time, and I share a real story, um, and it was not the script that I had in my head that I was going to do, but something laid on my heart, and the reason why I shared the story is because I saw young people, and I saw people that looked like me, and I'm looking at them, and I'm like, man, this looked like I'm in the hood, yeah, I'm over in Brazil. This looks like I'm back in L.A. in South Central. So I start to share with them. And then, you know, you start to realize that I, I can I have a a, um, a gift to speak to this specific group. You know, mm -hmm. I'm like this group is listening to what I have to say. And if I share this this truth, then they'll grab it. And at that moment, I shared a story and I shared a story that tied in how Christ died for me. And he can do the same for you when I shared the story. And they all, the whole, it was like a stadium. They all stopped and they were all listening. And in some of the times when we shared, they weren't listening. They were like, yeah, whatever, let's just hurry up with the basketball game. But they all listened and their eyes were wide eyed. And I'm looking and I'm seeing little kids of all colors and all shades, just staring, looking at me in poverty, uh, at, at this, uh, at this stage. And I'm sitting up here like, man, and it kind of afterwards, all of those on this mission team, they all came to me right after. And then later on that night in our dorm that we were staying in, they said, John, you have a gift to share the gospel. And what you did today was amazing. And they asked me to continue to share and some of them forfeited their opportunity because they let me do that in front of a group that can hear my voice a little bit better than they can hear their voice. 
their testimony is just as important as mine, but the tone of my voice, how I look, and how I came off, it was received a little more from this group, and everybody recognized that. And as I left, uh, or as the group left, I stayed over there, ironically, to try out for teams. And everyone, my birthday was coming up like a couple days later, so they knew that. So everybody wrote a letter to me, and they put it in a box, and they said, John, you write, you open up a letter, in this order, days up to your birthday. And so as I'm reading these letters, all of the letters, and I almost get teared-eyed, but all of these letters started to talk about how it, it wasn't judgmental anymore, you know, because I was at a conservative school, and they always looked the side of their eyes like, ah, he's acting too ghetto, you know, he's acting too hood, and I don't know if he's really, but all of them had shared that the unique gift uh, to share the gospel and that they were they were encouraged by my testimony. They were encouraged by my faith. When all along I was thinking like these, these dudes are self-righteous. They don't know my heart. They don't know that I really love Jesus. They don't know. And I'm walking and I'm working with them. But when they saw that and they saw the impact that I had, they all shared that information. And then as I'm looking, I'm looking around and I see these kids and I'm like, this looks like L.A. Like, what am I doing over here in Brazil? You know, no offense. It was a great opportunity. I loved it. Heck, I'll go back. But I'm like, you mean to tell me I flew all the way over here, all these hours and miles, and all I have to do is step right outside of my door and have the same ministry. And that's what I started a ministry called Save Through Hoops. So I would go around the corner to my high school and did the same thing. Why am I going 2,000 whatever miles away to share the gospel? You know, to look good, to look extra righteous because I traveled into a third world country or I went to the gutter or what, you know, and no offense to that ministry. You know, God can be used in every way. But man, there's a ministry right here. I can walk outside. I can walk on my campus here and I can go minister to the administrators. I can minister to every new student that I see. We don't have to go thousands and thousands of miles away. But it did enlighten me and let me know that there is a, a, a ear to hear the word of God and there is a ear to hear his truth. And God has called each and every one of us that are believers to evangelize. He's called us. That great commission tells us to go forth and make disciples. So we all have it. Now, it may not be in front of a congregation. It may not be in a small group. It may be kindergarten students that walk through the door planting seeds. It may be co-workers at an auto shop. I work in, uh, you know, fixed cars. It may be my co-worker. That may be. But he's called all of us to evangelize. And so when I saw that, that's what really changed. That, number one, I was isolated. When all the mission team left, I was isolated. I was the only, I couldn't speak. And all I had was my word. And I really broke down the scripture. The scripture really came off the pages. After being at the college, understanding this is how amazing God is. This is how amazing he is. So I'm a believer. And I believed I was a believer. But my church experience... And being in this conservative environment, which I couldn't stand at the time, but it taught me how to exposit and break down scripture because I had to take these theology classes in order to get my bachelor's degree. So he takes me with that, those tools. I go to Brazil. The mission team leaves. I'm stuck in Brazil by myself waiting to try out for teams. And this epiphany, like all I had was scripture and how to exposit scripture. Because I didn't have anybody to talk to. Everybody's speaking Portuguese. So I'm there. 
And I'm just like, man, I'm waiting for my time to try out. And so I'm getting in the word and it, my devotions that we normally have, a little, nice little 45-minute devotion, right? Oh, you know, it turned into two and three and four. I'll never forget I was in the word for six hours. Mm. And it was all isolation. It was so much that God showed me in that time. And when I came back, I said, that's what I need to do. Wow. Holy cow. That's, that is so amazing how God used that, that trip. And, you know, I was going to ask you why you, you're still in LA, why you're still in East LA after all of this stuff that you've been going through. And you just answer right there. It's your mission field. You've been called to LA to just minister to all the people that you come in contact with, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm in this space and that's where I am until he removes me and say, you know, well done in this spot. Then we're here and you know my church is small every you know you know sometimes we wrestle with should we go to a bigger church should we do that and you know what he I'm, i just don't feel that push we can glorify god there and and as long as i have the youth and enthusiasm and energy you know these places that don't have the resources maybe i can i can uh use you know my energy my youth to well i'm, I'm getting older but <laughs> but i still use it to uh to impact the the spaces that we're in you know yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the reason why. And until God says different and until he closes doors, I, I guess I'm here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can definitely tell something was different about your coaching style. I mean, you watched the other Last Chance U seasons. There's, you know, all these different personalities as coaches. How how did that like you the cameras, I'm sure, are all access like no matter where where you go, what you do there, I'm sure they're all around you. How did you make sure, or like, how how did all of these different emotions come out, and how did they play out in in the season or in, in the docu series, I should say? Yeah, what I really wanted to be was authentic. I thought uh, if I try to, number one, I didn't want to do it at all. I said I'm not trying to do that. Hmm. Uh, it, I'm, I was past that stage where, you know, I, I do have a, some enthusiasm, I do have personality, and I have all of that. Uh, but when I was younger. I was throwing it out there and I'm looking for attention. I'm, I was mischievous. I'm enthusiastic, energetic, all that. But then God showed me how to use that for him. Once he showed me how to use it for him, all of a sudden I'm like, you know what? I don't need the attention anymore. I don't need any cameras or any of that. And it was my pastor that mentioned like, Hey, you should do it. And I was like, wow, of all people, I thought he would say, no, we just about sharing the gospel. We don't need to do all that. But of all people, uh, he, he, he did it. And I said, I was concerned because I was like, man, I don't want to be like those who, when a camera gets in front of them, all of a sudden they kind of turn and they change. And he shared with me, was like, no, I mean, if they change, they probably were that way already. And so I was like, okay. And I was concerned about, you know, maybe I'll get fired. I'll do something and get fired. And he said, well, God has predestined you. So if you get fired, you get fired. If, if, but for the most part, that message needs to get out there. And I wanted to make sure that, you know, the young men weren't exploited. I mean, they were exploited to a certain degree. Uh, none of them really got paid or anything unless they made opportunities uh, after the show. But I really wanted the stories that were shown to be shown the way they were and, and to get some understanding that they may respond a certain way, highs and lows, but realize it comes from a place. And part of it is uh, having a relationship with uh, these young men so that we can understand what's going on. And that, that's in any space. We respond to someone's emotions. We respond to someone's uh, what what they may do in that moment. And all in some cases, we would have a little bit more compassion if we knew them. 
And as I mentioned before, rules without relationship equals rebellion. And if we don't have that relationship and we don't know what's really going on, it's hard for us to be compassionate with their uh, with their response, with a way that a mistake that they make. Uh, they may make a mistake and never been taught. And we're so hard on them. And we th there's a way to have tough love, but it's not in a condemning form. And I think that's the problem. They, a lot of times we come condemning. I'm tough and I'm hard, but it's out of love and it's out of a place to correct. It's not a, out of a place to condemn. So I'm going to call you out for all that you're doing that's not right that for your poor responses. But we're doing it out of love so that you can correct it. And it's a space where I'm not going to give up on you. So a lot of times we're condemning in a, in that space is letting them know where I'm done with you. I'm con You're condemned for the way you responded and, and the way you're acting and the mistake that you made. And I'm done. I'm just correcting and I'm calling you out to let you know that I'm calling you out so that you can get better so that your next place or your next stop in life, you, they don't condemn you and they don't um, exile you, you know? Yeah, uh, you can definitely tell there's a lot of tough love uh, as you coach. And I, I think that's really inspirational because I, I'm sure a lot of these people, a lot of these student athletes, they've had people that have given up on them, on them in their lives. And I think it just shows that how great a coach you are, because you, you kind of just say like, no, I'm not giving up on you. Like if you're going to give up on yourself, that's fine, but you're not, I'm not going to give up on you. Yeah. Well, uh, I think a lot of them are surprised by that. It's just yeah. like, no, I'm going to do what I do and I'm going to keep pushing you and, and make sure that you get all of, you're going to be responsible for the next decision that you make. And I want to put it on full display so that we're not making any excuses. Uh, you're responsible for your actions and you can actually change your actions and your response. Um, just because you did it a certain way in the past, we can change that. And what's going to happen in the future is you're going to have to respond better to adversity. You're going to have to uh, conform and uh, compartmentalize some emotions and and uh, some things that are going on in your life because you're going to have to be professionals one day. And, and, you know, what better definition than a professional to be able to compartmentalize what's going on? I mean, you can still perform and do great things and you have things going on in your life and you got to be able to compartmentalize that. And those are some of the lessons I'm teaching, uh, especially being men, especially being, you know, that are called to be leaders and then especially being young black men or minorities. On top of that, there's multiple layers uh, there, you know, and right now we, we starving, we starving for our, our leaders today, our men to be leaders and step up. We're starving and it's okay. We, 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 it's okay. We, we may have been pushed to the side, but, uh, I believe, you know, according to what scripture, we, we're called to be leader. We're called to lead. And it's not that anybody else can't lead, but we're called to lead and, and we're designed to do it. And I think, um, uh, We've kind of stepped back. Our young men have stepped back. And I'm saying, no, you have to. This is a part of leadership. This is a part of stepping up. You're going to have to take care of a family. You're going to have to lead in a corporation or wherever. Uh, and so I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to keep constantly pressing them over and over again that this behavior is not appropriate. And you're going to have to change it. I'm not quitting on you. I'm not giving up. But you're going to have to change it. Uh, and guess what? You may do. You know, I'm not the guy that punishes you. In the sense that, well, you can't play this game because you miss class. No, I'm not doing that. Because you punish all of us. I'm going to let you do what you love and what you're good at. Because that's your ticket. 
I'm going to have to punish you in a different way. You're going to get on the track or something like that. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's true. And coach, when you watched, I'm assuming you watched uh, the seasons, uh, what did you learn about yourself? Because I know if I had cameras on me all the time, I would find out stuff that I didn't want to know, or I didn't know that I didn't know. What, what did you learn about yourself and uh, even about your student athletes? Yeah. I mean, I, I think of, to continue to do what um, what I'm doing. Um, I mean, initially you try to look and say, well, what do I need to change here and what do I need to change there? I think my heart truly was trying to be authentic, especially in the first show. The second show got a little tough because all of a sudden I noticed the cameras more and I knew what would come out of this frame, you know? I knew what would come out of this, but the first show, I didn't know what was gonna come out of it, so I just let it fly and you know what, as believers, man, once we become a believer, there's a there's a camera on us. And that camera is the camera that this world is watching us. And we are examples. And I felt like, well, you know what, I've, I've had a, I feel like even behind closed doors, you know, as a believer, you have conviction and you have integrity behind closed doors. And so if you are a true believer and you have that true conviction, you slip up less likely. It's less likely that you would slip up because you have that conviction when people are around, when you're in church, or when you're at home by yourself, sitting in front of a computer, what are you scrolling through and what are you looking at? Mm -hmm. um, and so I felt like my heart and where my heart was, it was ready to be kind of exposed because I've, I've tried and I, I felt like I've tried to do a good job with and, and felt convicted without cameras, uh, without people around. And our eyes, there's a lens on us at all time. And you always feel like God is watching you anyway. Uh, once you know that, that, that God has kind of taken over and he's ordered just the steps in your life, like he's watching me uh, and he's watching my steps. And, and so that conviction there alone, it, it, it wasn't like I was afraid in front of the camera because um, I had developed a life of, of integrity. We, we kind of develop a life of this is how we're going to be. But I wanted to be authentic. I, I never gave up who I was. Yeah, absolutely. You can definitely tell that through through the through the documentary. And, you know, as I, I look back at, you know, watching that, it kind of reminds me like those cameras were a physical representation that God's always watching, uh, even though, you know, they're not God, but he always is watching. I think that's a great reminder. And coach, how do you hope this helps not only your players, but other players, I mean, coming from the JUCO life, hard, hard backgrounds, how do you hope it helps them too? Well, a lot of people, the feedback I got is they were inspired. And I'm thinking like inspired, like, dude, it was just a normal, yeah. it's yeah. normally what most coaches do. And I'm thinking like, well, what do you, but I think when they put it on the, the show and you add some music to it and you cut it and you edit it, I mean, it came off well. And, you know, it was divine that God, uh, put it in those the hands of those editors and the way they edited it because I assume they were looking for the most catastrophic events to make the show and ideally they were just there to tell the stories that were in front of them and they said John before I did it I was like dude I'm telling you I don't know if I really want to do it you guys are going to trick me and you make me look bad or yeah. make us look bad and they said it's going to be a mirror and we've done a good job in the past with mentoring our young men and moving them on to the next space. So I said, if you guys really capture it, then it'll probably be okay. And to do it in an authentic way and not to be corny 
and I call it coachy coach with all these coachy coach quote quotes and you know and so I, I felt like uh, that was something that that uh, I was ready to display and ready to show um, and uh, it just worked out and I feel like it, it just validated like you know what it, it's based on the feedback and it was more feedback about faith and about uh, saying you know what I need to be more like that and I'm like wow really Ugh, you want more like what I'm doing like me they were like I need to be more like that more bold in those spaces you know in all these spaces and that was coming from coaches that was coming from corporate people saying um, just being yourself and sharing your faith and not you know, kind of being over the top, being yourself and, and doing your job and being passionate about it. I think uh, it just kind of encouraged me to continue to do uh, what I'm doing and stay real and authentic. And you mentioned a lot that's come at me and there's been tons that's come at me. There's been opportunities to make uh, tons of money doing other things. And I'm like, you know what? I would completely lose myself. I would make money temporarily, but I wouldn't be able to do it long term because that's not me. And so, you know, I'll take less money, you know, I'll do speakings, I'll do some, some small things in camps and different things like that to make uh, less money. Um, but I, I just have to stay true and have to stay authentic. And I think that's the what I got is like, John, you're okay. You're an okay person. Uh, what you're doing is okay. Uh, how you're coaching those guys and how you're meant to. For a minute, I thought the world was going to hate me for, for you can't, you know, because I think it was around the George Floyd time. You oh, know? yeah. They were like, John, they're going to hate me for screaming at these young black men. They were like, don't scream at those black boys like that. And it was like, ah, I was like, man, hmm. I just didn't know what to expect. And it's been more uh, over 90% great feedback. And then there's been some negative, but whatever. I, that's what I expected. I expected more negative. So, uh, but the feedback uh, tells me, you know, just continue to do what we're doing. And it's been encouraging, encouraging and just kind of stay in my lane. I'm not going to drift out and try to do anything that, that uh just because i was on the show yeah yeah that is that's so inspiring i i know you just said like you know it's just your day-to-day -day, but yeah from from what you came from from what your players come from it it just shows how hardworking all of you are and just really it's just really awesome it was awesome to watch uh but coach thank you so much for coming on today it was really an honor absolutely thanks for having me man Awesome. Well, for all of our listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today. I know I had an amazing, amazing time talking with Coach Mosley today, and I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to subscribe to the show. Uh, it means so much to me and so much to us. Uh, and if you don't get anything else from this, just remember this. Jesus loves you, and he's going to fight for you no matter what. Talk to you next time.